Today we're going to take a look at the Christmas story. We're going to see the angel Gabriel delivering two similar messages to two different people. Both asked questions as to how it could happen. But it seemed like Gabriel got mad with one and not so mad and pretty uh, actually happy with the other. So we're going to take a look at that today. What does that teach us about asking questions? What is this? What is it that we can learn about how one question can get Gabriel all fired up and now he can't talk? And the other question, he actually uh, gives, gives her more information. So let's take a look at these. We told you before that faith or that the questions, they get God's attention. They have five things that will be in them. Maybe all five, maybe some of these, but they're going to be questions that are based in faith, trust, patience, contentment, and thanksgiving. Faith, trust, patience, contentment, and thanksgiving. A couple of weeks ago, we started looking at the idea of general answers. Do not yield specific victories. We sometimes have a general understanding of something, but we need to have something more specific. We looked at a couple of examples there in the Word. We saw the, the leper. He had the general understanding. I know you can heal. I'm not sure if you will. He needed the specific understanding that would come right to him. The woman with the issue of blood, she had the general understanding. Touching the hem of Jesus' garment will produce healing. And she turned it into something specific herself. I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. So there are things that, that we have in a general sense, but we've got to turn them into something specific. We're going to take a look at the part of the Christmas story here in Luke chapter 1. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Now we'll get back to this here in a little bit, but Zacharias was troubled. People, a lot of times they want to see an angel. It seems like, as Nikolai was mentioning, most times we see him. People are troubled. Verse 13, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this is the, the, the word that comes to him. They've been wanting to have a child. The word comes. The child is coming. Gives him all kinds of things about his life. He has some very specific duties he's going to 
be having a very specific call that he will have. And so Zacharias hears all this, and in verse 18 he says to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. How shall I know this? Now, if you've been praying about something for a very, very long time, and now it is past the point that it could happen naturally, what would you ask? What kind of thing would you, would you ask? What kind of questions would come to your mind? You've been believing God for, in this case, they've been believing God for a baby. Well, they're go- they've gone past the years of childbirth. Now, more is involved in having this happen. And here comes the angel, shows up in the temple and has this message for you. What kind of questions would you be- begin to formulate? What kind of things would you begin to ask? Or would you not ask any questions at all? Would you just say, all right, let's go. Now here a miracle is needed, but one hasn't happened so far. They know they need a miracle because something's wrong with one of them and they're just not having babies. So they need a miracle for this to happen. Now that they're both past the age of bearing children, now we have to have a miracle about that too. So we've got to have a miracle about that, being too old, and a miracle about whatever it was that was the problem before. So now it's a bigger miracle. You were believing God for one thing and it didn't happen. And now it just got tougher. It's kind of like if you were in a situation and you were believing God, I need a job that pays me $50,000 a year. And then all of a sudden, you know, that job hasn't come. That job hasn't come. You've been working a job, $20,000, $25,000, falling behind. And then all of a sudden, things increased. And now you need a job that pays $100,000 a year. Or your faith hasn't been able to generate $50,000 a year job. How are you now going to get get a hundred? This is what they're into. Their faith had not gotten them to the point of having a baby. At least that's how it is that they're looking at it. We've been believing for this. We've been asking for this. But it hasn't happened. Now, most times that something hasn't happened, we're either blaming God or we're looking to ourselves and we're condemning ourselves. I don't have enough faith. I'm not doing the right things. I haven't obeyed God. We blame ourselves. We find some way to blame ourselves or we find a way to blame God. So he needs a greater miracle now. Verse 19, And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. And behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. I don't know if you've ever asked this question, but I, I wonder, why didn't the angel just walk out? Well, fine, we'll go find somebody else. We'll go find somebody else who wants to have this baby. But he, he didn't seem to answer in a, in a way that the angel was expecting, the angel desired. The angel says to him, because you did not believe my words. That's what he said. The question that Zacharias says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. How can this happen? I'm old. She's old. How is this going to come about? I don't see, I don't see any way to get there. We couldn't get there when we were young. How are we going to get there now? So he says, how shall I know this? How shall I know this? 
I'm sure that you all can relate to some things that you've been praying God for a long time and it just hasn't quite come about. This is the position that he's in. They have been wanting this baby. Now, the next part of the story, you know, we're going into Mary. Mary was not believing for a baby. She wanted to get married first, of course, had the baby in the normal time. But Zacharias, he was looking for a baby. They, were, they wanted that. Verse 21, and the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. And so it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among the people. So he's in there. He's in a lot longer than they expected. He's having this conversation with the angel. The people are wondering what's going on. But he does come out, but then he can't speak, so they understood. All right, he's seen a vision. He's seen something in there, and uh, he can't quite communicate that to us. I'm sure that they eventually got him something to write on, and he began to write some things out and what was going on. But he still had his days to be serving here, and apparently he doesn't go back home because it says, verse 23, so it was as soon as his days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Now, Elizabeth may have heard, hey, something happened at the temple. Your husband can't talk. He was in there a little longer than we thought he should be, and then he came out and he can't talk. Something happened. If you were a wife, you say, well, when he gets done his service, you know, he'll come on over and he'll tell me about it. How many wives would be okay with that? Probably not many, huh? No, you're probably heading on down to the temple. What's going on? What happened to my husband who was in there and now he can't talk? And so they've, she may have already gone down to the temple. I don't know if uh, it would seem like if the crowd could have contact him, then she could have in, in some way. I would expect that he was able to communicate something to her before, but could you imagine waiting until you had to get home and then coming on home and then tell your, your wife about this? But it was that, that they had gotten home, he had gotten home, and then they uh, could fulfill the things that God had, had spoken to them. And she conceived. She got pregnant. They knew about this. They had the word from the Lord. Apparently Elizabeth didn't have as much trouble with it as, as her husband did. But anyway, she's, uh, they're on board here. She's pregnant. But there was something going on with Zechariah. Something was happening in his life. Something was happening with the life of, of Elizabeth. You can't just say that it was Elizabeth because the angel shows up with the husband. We can't just say it's the husband because the wife seems to be in more faith than, than he was. But something is going on in their lives that has got God's attention. God has his attention on this couple. You guys want a baby? I have a baby that I'm looking to give right now. And um, I'm thinking you guys are the one. And so he shows up. Zacharias doesn't have the best exchange with him. But I put this in your outline for you. Apparently, just because you got the attention of God doesn't mean you will retain it. Just because you got the attention of God doesn't mean you will retain it. There's a whole lot of times that we want to get the attention of God. Zacharias got the attention of God. The angel showed up in the temple. That's getting God's attention. Now you gotta, you gotta be able to retain it. There are people that had the attention of God. But they did not retain it. I'll give you a couple of examples. 
The Israelites, how many times can we count in the wilderness when they had the attention of God but they didn't seem to retain it? I'll give you one specific one though. They had the attention of God during the episode with the serpents. And Moses put the serpent on the pole and held it up, but they didn't necessarily retain it. How many people died because they refused to look on the pole? The Word of God tells us some people actually died because they refused to look on the pole. They had God's attention and He said, all right, if you want to get healed, here's what you got to do. But they didn't retain it. Not all of them did. Saul got God's attention. And he sent the prophet to him. But he didn't retain that attention because he wandered off with some of the things. Solomon got God's attention. And God spoke to him and said, ask me what you want. Got God's attention. But he didn't retain it because he wandered off from the things of God. Jeroboam got God's attention. The things that were going on in his life got God's attention and he said, I'm going to give you ten tribes of Israel. But he didn't retain it. The rich young ruler got God's attention and Jesus gave him a call. Come, follow me. But he didn't retain it. The people that Jesus taught and ministered to, they had God's attention. The Spirit of God was there to minister to them, to heal them of things. But they didn't retain it. The people that Paul taught and ministered to. God showed up in those meetings. Healings were going on. The Word of God said that miraculous things were happening through the hands of Paul. They had God's attention, but they didn't retain it. We can often get God's attention, but can we retain it after that? God has looked down upon people. He has spoken to them, but will we retain that attention? Will it continue to go on? Let's go over here and take a look at Mary. Verse 26, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man who was named, whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, we've talked about this period of history. All Israel knows the Messiah is coming. These are the years that Messiah will come. They knew from the prophet Daniel, from what he was saying. They knew from the 70 weeks. Messiah is coming. They knew to look for him. This angel making these statements makes Mary wonder, are you trying to say that I'm the one that the Messiah is coming through? So she got a little troubled. She got a little uneasy about this. What are you trying to say to me here? And speaking these things. Mary was troubled. I put this in your outline for you. When God sends revelation, understanding, callings, and assignments, why would it not always bring peace? When God sends us revelation, when revelation comes to us, God speaks to us. When He gives us understanding on things, when a calling from God comes upon us, when an assignment is given, why would it not always bring peace? Here in these two situations, we see two people who received revelation, understanding, calling, assignments. And it didn't bring them peace. It brought them trouble. When God sends things, He sends us, or when God, God sends these things, when God sends us revelation, when He sends us understanding, when He sends us callings, when He sends us assignments, He is sending us into the realm of the unknown. If I get a revelation from God, I am going into a realm that I didn't know before. 
If he gives me understanding on the scripture, understanding on something, I'm going into a realm I didn't know before. If he gives me an assignment, if he gives me a calling, I am going into a realm that I haven't known before. Some of the prophets gave their stories of when they were called. They're going into a realm they didn't know. This is new to them. When this thing's happened, God has sent you into a realm that you don't know. That realm will require faith. When you get into a realm that is unknown to you, there is going to be a level of faith that you need to have. Sometimes we feel like we're being asked to go beyond our faith. Well, we can take a look at some people in the Word of God. They look like they were going beyond their faith. Moses, he feels like he's going beyond his faith. Look, I've been out that way and my faith didn't carry me. I don't want to go out that way again. Other people, they were given callings. I feel like that's beyond what I can do. Gideon, how much did he feel way underneath where he needed to be to accomplish what God was calling him to do? That realm requires faith. That can cause us to be a little bit troubled because I'm not, I'm not sure. Is my faith where it needs to be in order for me to walk into that? In order for me to go in that direction? That can be troubling. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. For you have found favor with God. See, she got God's attention. Now that you got God's attention, keep it. Keep it. Don't be like Saul. He had God's attention and God says, you know what? I'm sorry I ever gave him the calling. I'm sorry I ever gave him my attention. Don't be like that. Living life in a way that gains the favor of God will also draw the things from God that can trouble and challenge. When you live a life that is in the favor of God, you will draw things to you that sometimes come with trouble, but they almost always come with a challenge. Don't think that because these things came and it's causing some trouble, it's causing some challenge in your life, that you have lost favor with God, that you are not in favor with God. Here it is with Mary, the angel saying, God has favored you. He has looked upon you and He has put favor upon you. Verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. So here's the assignment. You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. This is what's going to happen. I'm giving you the name. So verse 34 Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Now, Zacharias, how can this happen? How can I know that this is going to go on? I'm old. My wife's old. We haven't had a child yet. And she says, How can this be? And here's the thing that's holding me back. I'm not married yet. We haven't entered into that that relationship. How can this be since I do not know a man? It doesn't seem like this question differs too much from Zacharias' question. But it must have because the angel's response is different. With Zacharias, all right, you can't talk no more until the baby's born. And Mary, oh, phoning all over Mary. Let's give you some help here with this whole whole thing. We're going we're gonna to help you out with this. 
And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. This is now the sixth month for her who is called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Now he's not going to give this response to Elizabeth because Elizabeth is not having a child outside of the relationship between a husband and wife. She was supposed to have a child within the relationship of the husband and wife, but Mary is not because this child needs to be born of a virgin. So I wanted to break down this answer here to you that the angel gives. The first thing is, how? How will it come to pass? This will be different and you know that it has to be, so I'm glad to tell you. Basically, is what he's saying. Mary is saying, I cannot, cannot have a child the normal way. Because I'm not married. And I'm not going to break what the Word of God has taught me in this area. So, how can this be? Because I won't go against the Word, and it doesn't work unless someone does. And so, that was a legitimate question. And the angel was okay with her asking it. And he was okay with answering it. How how can this thing be? How will it come to pass? There will be different... This is going to be different. Alright, it's going to be a different way. That has never happened this way before. It's going to be a different way. So, I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. It's going to be different. Zacharias is not going to be a different way. It's just out of the ordinary because he's old. Now, he's not the first person who is old that God helped have a baby. He's not the first one. So he knows there's history on this. But the angel here goes over some other history. But first of all, he tells her how this is going to come about. First off, that's the first thing. How this is going to come about. Then he goes over a little bit of history here. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. So this is not the only one that I've delivered messages like this to. I did to Elizabeth. So there's some history here. Boy, doesn't it sometimes help you to know that you're not the only one God's working through? That He's also working over here and He's working over here. At the same time, i got this going on. This has been going on for a number of months. This is not new. We've already got the wheels turning. We've already got things moving. He could have gone back in the history of things even older than that, but he chose to go in this particular direction. Gave her... A little bit of history behind. She didn't probably know that her relative was with a, with a baby. Because Elizabeth was keeping it a secret. Here's a third one. Ability. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So he goes over how this is going to happen. He goes over a little bit of history. This is what has happened. And then he goes over an ability. God is able to do all sorts of things. There is nothing that is impossible with God. Now, she knows this, but she's being reminded and she's being told, look, this may look difficult to you, but it is not to God. With you, it looks impossible. With God, it is not impossible. Many times we are looking at things that to us, it looks impossible. We look, how can I put this together with the natural way that I know this thing goes together? And I can't see a way to get it done. But I know it needs to get done. I can go to God and know with Him all things are possible. 
So we have to get her in that thinking. I cannot limit myself to just how things have gone. I have to allow God to expand how he might do this. Because he can take this further. So we got the how, the history, the ability. And here's the fourth part. Verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the acceptance by Mary. She accepted it. Now, we didn't find out if Zacharias got to that acceptance part yet because he was hushed. He got to be mute. He couldn't speak anymore. He may have gotten to that spot and certainly it would look like he did because he went on home and talked with his wife and they made the plans and the baby was coming. So it looked like he got to the place of acceptance with that, but uh, he wasn't able to speak about that. Now with Zacharias, the angel said it, said it this way, verse 19, And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. He is not giving him how, he's not giving him history, and he's not giving him ability. He's not doing all that. He says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and has sent to, was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. For behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. Now the angel's response narrows in. What is it that Zacharias is asking? Mary is asking, I'm not sure how you can do this because I'm not set up for you to accomplish this the way that you have set up to accomplish this. So how are you going to accomplish this? And so there's an asking that goes on with that. Apparently, with Zacharias, there was an unbelieving. So the angel goes over and he first off says who he was. I am Gabriel. That name means something to these people. They know this is a messenger angel. He says, not only am I Gabriel, but I stand in the presence of God. Gabriel is in the very presence of God and was sent to speak to you. So I am Gabriel. I was standing in the presence of God and God sent me to send this to you. You. Of all the people out here, I sent to you. I went right from the presence of God to here. You want to know how you can know this? Because I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you. He's a little upset. I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. <laughs> that tells you right there. Gabriel was expecting a different answer. He was expecting somebody to be glad. To, to rejoice. To be happy. That this would be good news. And instead he's getting Zacharias and says, uh, So I began to think about, why would Zacharias not want this to go on. There, there, there could be some trouble going on with Zacharias and that's causing this response. So I thought of a couple of things that might be. First, he may have lost the desire to chase after and raise a little one. He may have lost that desire. It may have been 20, 30 years ago that he and his wife said, oh, I can't wait to have a baby. And it turned out they weren't having a baby. And so they said, let's take it to God. We've seen people in the Bible. They prayed and they asked God for a baby. 
and uh, God gave them a baby. Let's pray and let's ask for God. And so the two of them are believing God, asking God for the child, but no child has come. And it could well be that Elizabeth is still just as much on that promise, just as much in that pursuit. But Zacharias has said, you know what? I was into this 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I'm not so sure that I want to be chasing after a little one. There's sometimes uh, we get the, the little, get around little ones and you chase after them for a while and it's exhausting. And you say, oh man, I don't know if I'm cut out for this anymore. Has anybody ever said that? I don't know if I'm cut out to do this all the time anymore. And he may have uh, uh, had some little ones come over to the house and he had to be chasing after them. You know, some of the relatives and he had to leave them there and he's chasing after them. And he said, oh man, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I'm just not cut out for this anymore. I am just wore out. And so, now Elizabeth, she's still believing. Glory to God, I'm believing God. Were you with me? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But inside he's saying, oh no, I'm, I am not thinking that this is it. And he may have lost some of his enthusiasm for this. And so when the angel comes and says, the baby's coming, he may be thinking, no, I'm not necessarily on that page anymore. That could be one reason. Now, Elizabeth, she may still be on the same same thing. And she's going going after Every day, maybe they're waking up and they have their confession. Maybe they have their, their vision board and they got babies all over the board. <laughs> but he's looking at that and he says, uh, <laughs> all right, honey. Yeah, we're, 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 uh, we're on there. And he may be saying, I'm on the same page. But he's not looking at that vision board. He may be standing for something that he lost desire for some years ago. And so now he's seeing by the words of this angel that his life is going to be greatly altered. And he didn't think it was ever going to be altered this way. Maybe he had faith to believe for a miracle to remove the obstacle that was there for conception. But now that we need a double miracle, I don't know if I'm there for that one. Maybe he was disappointed in the past. And he didn't want another disappointment. Maybe he saw how much that disappointment affected his wife and he didn't want to see that again. It may be something just as simple as we've had our hopes up before and we were believing and we were expecting and it didn't happen. I don't want to get my wife's hopes up again. I don't want to have my hopes up again and and us to be dashed to pieces again. Maybe it was something along those lines. But there was something in Zechariah. Zechariah, he said... I am just not sure this is the way we're going to go. And he questioned, how will I know this? How will I know? And the the angel said, I am Gabriel. You're not just getting some run-of-the-mill angel here. I'm Gabriel. Come on, I'm the messenger. I am Gabriel. How many angels do we know by name? There are not many. We got Michael and we got Gabriel. There's other angels that have done things. We have the angel of the Lord. That's as much of a name as we have for him, but that's pretty much Jesus Christ. We have other angels that have shown up and done stuff, but these are the ones that are named. And so he's getting a little... uh up. Look, I know my name's written in the book. I know it's there. I know you've read it. I am Gabriel. He identified himself to Mary. He identified himself here. I am Gabriel. That should tell it to you right there. I am Gabriel. Now, beside that, I came from the presence of God. Beside that, He sent me. And you want to say, how can I know this word is true? How can I know this word is right? 
That's what you want to say? That's what you want to speak about? Are you kidding me now? So he's not, he's not very happy with this. So that might, some of these things might be going on in his head. He hasn't quite uh, vocalized this. But whatever the motivation behind his answer, the angel's message, the angel was upset. He was upset at what he said, what he had spoken. Mary asked the question of the angel. Angel delivered her a message. It was kind of upsetting. That could really disrupt her life. And she asked the question too. But Gabriel didn't get upset at that one. So what's the difference? So I wrote this so you can write this in your outline if you want to. It seems that Zacharias doubted what was said. Mary doubted how it could happen. Zacharias doubted what was said. Mary doubted how it could happen. One got the angel Gabriel upset. One did not. You don't have to fear asking questions. You don't have to be afraid to ask questions to God. Sometimes you focus so much on Zacharias. Well, he asked questions and he got, he got God mad. He got the angel mad. I don't want to get God mad. So I'm not going to ask any questions. But Mary asked questions and it was okay. It's okay to ask questions. We've got to ask the right kind of questions. We can't ask the wrong kind of questions. We can't ask questions that are going to get Gabriel upset. Or whatever messenger came and delivered that. Zacharias doubted what was said. That's why the angel says, Look, I'm Gabriel. You're going to doubt me? I come from the presence of God. You're going to doubt me? I was sent here to bring this to you. Now think about this. Zacharias and Elizabeth, they, have, they are believing God for a baby. They want a baby. God's got a plan that they're going to have the baby who comes to prepare the way for the baby. Messiah. They're looking around and said, all right, we need someone who is going to have the one who prepares the way. We've got to have someone who's going to have the baby who's going to come in the spirit of Elijah. Who can we get? And they looked around and they said, here is Zacharias, here is Elizabeth. Look at, let's look on them. Look at their life. They have our attention. They would be people that we could trust with this assignment. So they're looking at their life not having a baby and saying, God doesn't like us. There's something about our life that is not right. And God is looking upon their life and said, you have my attention. I'm going to send you a baby. But this baby comes only months before Messiah. I'm not ready to send Messiah yet. But as soon as Messiah is sent, this one's going to have to be ready in the wings. And so six months before the angel ever visited Mary, the angel ever let Mary know what was going on, the angel shows up and delivers this message. This is the first step in the game. This is the first step in what God is doing to undo all that the enemy has done, all that sin has done. This is the first step. You don't have to fear asking questions. You just got to ask questions to understand your role. This is what Mary did. It. Mary asked questions to understand her role. You can ask questions to understand your role. 
you go through the, the Word of God, if we one or two, we could take some time, and you could look at Gideon asking questions to understand his role. You could look at Moses asking questions to understand his role. You could look at David asking questions to understand his role. You could look at Solomon asking questions to understand his role. You could look at Isaiah. You could look at Ezekiel. You could look at Jeremiah asking questions to understand their role. God doesn't mind questions to understand your role. But don't question certain aspects of things. And that's where we saw it with Zacharias. Mary asked questions to understand her role. Not ones that questioned his word. Don't ask questions that question his word. Has God really said? Remember how well that one went over. How can I know this? How can I know this? Don't ask questions that question his word. If God said it, that's how it's going to be. But this is what the enemy tries to do. He tries to pull us into questioning the very words that God has spoken. He gets us to question the words that are written. He gets us to question the words that have been spoken to us. He tries to get us to question these things. Has God really said that? Is that really what God meant? I know His Word says this, but is that really how you should apply it in your life? Do you really think you need to apply it in your life? Maybe you're special. Maybe you're different. Maybe you just came from this. God needs to use you in these areas. And so you have to sidestep what the Word is saying over there. Don't question His Word. One of the people that got God's attention so well was Daniel. Daniel would not question his word. If, if I understand God's word to mean this, I am staying with it. And he did, no matter what. We need to have that, that tenacity. The world right now is pressuring Christians to let go of things that the word has spoken. To let go what God thinks about babies. To let go what God thinks about male and female. To let go what God thinks about marriage. To let go of so many things the world wants to pressure, wants to cause you to, to change how you think about this. Don't question His Word. You can question how, well, how are you going to bring that about? How is it that I should present this to the people that are around me? How is it that I should discuss this? You can ask questions about the how. How will I take what is in your Word that is true and bring it to the places where I'm at? How will I do that? You can ask questions along those lines. You can ask questions like Mary. All right, I'm not doubting what you're saying. I just, I don't know how that happens with me. Because my situation isn't as such that a baby can just come to me. So Gabriel says, ah, we got that taken care of. See, you cannot come to God questioning His words, His authenticity, dependability, or validity to be in faith. If you're going to be a person in faith, you cannot come to God questioning His words, His authenticity, His dependability, or His validity, and be in faith. If you are going to be in faith and you're going to take the Word of God that He has spoken to you, you've got to first off come knowing that that Word is authentic. Knowing that that Word is dependable. Knowing that that Word is valid. You gotta know this. And you'll be in faith. Hebrews eleven six tells us this, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder 
of those who diligently seek Him. He who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. This is the God that you serve. The enemy will try on a regular basis to get you to question the validity, the dependability, the authenticity of what God has said. You don't have to be an enemy of God for that to work. Here is Zacharias in the temple serving as a priest, bringing incense before God. And he has been gotten. The word of God comes in a really clear way. It is the angel of God who shows up. The angel of God. And he questions it. How will I know this? How will I know this? Just know the enemy is out. He is trying to undermine the word of God in your life. He'll do this a number of ways. One, he'll make sure that you get errant word. And when it doesn't work, he can undermine you. He's got people in the supposedly in the body of Christ that are teaching things from the Bible that are not true. That are teaching people this is what the Bible means, but it doesn't. So that when they go out and they put those things to work and it doesn't work, he can then challenge its authenticity. He can challenge its dependability. He can challenge its validity. And then once he has the foothold in there, he can begin to expand it to other places. That's why we're always learning. We're always checking out with the Word. I need to press in more. Because what I know with the Word right now may be good for where I'm at, but it's not going to be good for down the road. I've got to keep learning more. God is preparing me. God is getting me ready. There's a lot of Christians, they say, well, they, they just settle for whatever whimsical thing. My wife, sometimes she'll, she'll share things with me. She reads some people on Facebook. She's involved in some groups that I, I, I just don't get involved with. And she'll go through and she reads all the different comments and she wants to get up there and try and help them out and that, that sort of thing. That's not my ministry. I don't, I don't try to do that. But she'll get in there to say, what would you think? And she'll say some of the things that the people say. And it's like, holy cow. Do people really have that elementary understanding of the Word of God? It's amazing to me. You won't get there very far. See, they have never taken what their general understanding of the Word was and made it into anything specific. They've never pressed in to learn more about how this thing works. It's kind of like, you know, if you uh, were out there with the, the... the car, and you saw somebody else with the car, and uh, they couldn't get the gas into the gas opening, and so they thought, well, I got a couple of other spots underneath the hood, maybe if I put the gas in there. And you would see that, and you would say, no, 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 you, you, surely you're not that stupid, you won't, you won't say that out loud, but that's what you're thinking on the inside, but there they go, there they do it. I saw that one video that was uh, posted of this, this woman, and she was trying to get the gas into the car. And so she pulls up in the, in the car and the gas, gas opening where you put the car, the gas in the car, it's on the wrong side. It's on the far side. And so she can't quite get it. Anybody ever see that video? <laughs> Ernest did. <laughs> and she tries to get this thing over and it won't fit. So she hangs it back up again and she drives right around and comes up on the other side. 
but now it's still on the opposite side of where the guest thing is because she just drove straight around. And so she gets out of the car. She pulls the thing out and she's trying. It's not there. We're trying to go over. It's not reaching. And the guy's in the car videotaping this. <laughs> he's just laughing. He's just, he doesn't want to get out and stop it because he's having so much fun. You would think after that you would learn. But how many times, Ernest? Was it four times? It was something like that. You would think after two times you would figure this out. Oh, I got to just back up and do it this way. No, we did it a third time. We pulled around to a spot and we are still on the wrong side. Now, you would think that most people, that would be enough. I am pretty sure it was at least four times. And I don't know if it happened any time before that or that made this person start videotaping. Her in the car, you can hear them laughing. Pulls out the, the fourth time and it's still not working. It's still not, not there. You look at that and you say, surely, sh- surely somebody could figure this thing out. But sometimes God is looking at us and saying, here's what the word says. Why are you thinking that it says this? Study to show yourself approved, the word of God says. We need to study these things out. Because sometimes we may be doing things with the word of God that cause the angels to laugh just like we laughed at those videos of the people doing the stupid things. But you don't have to be. We can learn the word. We can get under the word and hear it on a constant basis. But make sure that people are teaching you what the Word has to say. What the Word is. Solid Word. Things that are going to help you. You cannot come to God questioning His words, authenticity, dependability, validity, and be in faith. can't do it. I've got to come to God knowing that His words are authentic. If God spoke it, it means something for me. And I need to put it to work. If I don't understand how it's going to go to work, then I need to go to study to figure this thing out. How is it going to work? It is dependable. I can depend on what God has said. It is valid. It's not outdated. It is valid for my life and it will help me. I am going to be a person of faith. I am going to approach this that God is authentic. His word is authentic. He is dependable. He is valid. I've heard people, I've heard ministers, and they don't seem to come at it with this, this premise. They don't seem to see the Word of God as being all these things. I turn them off. I don't listen to them. I don't care what you have to say. If you're going to question this on this level, it's not going to be long before you start questioning all the other levels as well. Don't let people do that. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You're going to run into people out there that are not saved. You're going to have people that are family that are not saved. Let me set you at least at this. It is not your job to prove God exists. It is not your job to prove his word is true. If they're going to come to God, they have to believe that he exists. If they come to you and say, well, you proved to me God exists. Well, we're done here. It is not my role to prove that he exists. It is my role to show you what his word says. It is my role to teach you what his word says. It is not my role to prove to you that what God says is valid, that it has authenticity. That is not my role. Stay in your role. 
People will try and get you into that. They will try and get you to prove it for them. But that's not what you're supposed to do. That's why there's no anointing there. That's why there doesn't seem to be any help from the Holy Spirit. Because it's not your role to prove it. It's your role to live it. It's your role to preach it, to share it, to teach it. It's not your role to prove it. You ever listen to some of Brother Hagin's stuff? He'll sometimes, uh, he very much came into that understanding and he had people that were trying to get him to prove it. He just walked away. It's not my role to prove it. He understood it wasn't his role to prove it. You're not out there to prove anything to anybody. Just go on. But live it. Let people see the light that's in you. Let people see the love that is in you. Let people see that you consider what God said to be valid, that you see it as authentic, and you see it as dependable. Don't hide that from them. Don't say, well, they're not going to appreciate this. They're not going to like this. I'm not necessarily going to go. And No, don't hide it from them. You be this way. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, uh, this weekend especially, we're going to be encountering a lot of family. Some of those family are people that we have been believing you for, praying, standing for them. So I pray, Father, for each one to have an opportunity to share the authentic, dependable, and valid Word of God to them. They see how much they depend on Your words. They see how it has stabilized their life. And that they're not trying to prove anything. They're just living it. Help us, Father, as we go out, that we are Your army. We go out in the power of God. We can change the world. We can help change those people we're encountering today, tomorrow, next week. Thank you that you give us words to speak. And let people see the love and kindness that's on the inside of us. Give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, glory to God. Good to have you here with us today. And for those of you who joined us online, we are happy that you could. It was a very, very cold day.